Savior Jesus Christ. Isn't it wonderful to be here today? Amen. Amen. It is great to be in the house of the Lord today. It's good to have everybody with us. <clears throat> Just want to make a couple of announcements for you quickly this morning. You should have a, uh, I don't have one, but you should have a piece of paper that has the announcements. So uh, the uh, 3rd of April, we will be having our Easter egg hunt. So please, uh, you know, let people know, uh, be involved in, in all of that that's going on there. And then also, uh, you know, Women of Worth, uh, you have a luncheon that is going to be this coming Saturday. So uh, please come and be a part of that. And also, this coming Saturday, we are going to be passing out our baskets. And I was informed that since I set the goal to 50 the missions department decided that they were going to up that goal, and they say that we only need 31 more baskets to reach their goal of 100. Okay, so uh, you know, um, keep on, keep on bringing them, uh, you know, keep on, uh, you know, giving the money, uh, you know, so that we can do that. But this coming Saturday, we will be passing those out. All right, so just keep that in mind as well. Let's go ahead and let's go to, uh, you know, to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you, dear Lord, so much for this beautiful day that you have given to us. God, I thank you, dear Lord, for the ones that have made it here into your house to praise and to worship you. God, I pray that you would be with the ones that are viewing or watching us on, uh, you know, on, on the uh, on internet. And God, that you would uh, grace them with your mighty presence today and that you would stir in their hearts God, as we gather together in one heart, at one table, worshiping the one and true God, the one that created all things, the one that sustains all things, the ones that sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die for us on the cross and that rose again on the third day, freeing us from the bondage of sin and from death. And God, you know, for giving us your Holy Spirit, your Lord, and how he feels so powerful and his reign is free in this place. God, we thank you, dear Lord, that he is here in our presence. And God, I pray, God, that you would receive our worship unto you today as a sweet incense. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's stand as we sing praises to God. about victory this morning. I 
continue to sing and give glory to him this morning. Sing one day. One day when heaven 
was filled with his praises one day when sin was as black as could be jesus came forth to be born of a virgin dwelt among men my example is he the word became flesh and the light shined among us his glory revealed living he loved me dying he saved me buried he carried my sins far away rising he justified freely forever one day he's coming oh glorious day oh glorious One day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on a tree. Suffering anguish, despised and rejected. Bearing our sins, my Redeemer is The hands that heal nations stretched out on a tree. Took the nails for me, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. day the grave. One day the grave could conceal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose over death he had conquered. Now is the sin my Lord evermore. Death could not hold him grave could not keep him from rising again. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day. Oh, glorious day, glorious day. Sing one day. One day the trumpet will sound for His coming. One day the skies with His glories will shine. Wonderful day my beloved one is bringing. Savior Jesus is mine, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified freely forever, one day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh 
glorious day. Glorious day. Oh, glorious day. Amen. And what a glorious, glorious day that will be. And I choose to stand firm on that promise. So let's continue to sing how he's our cornerstone, that our hope is built on him and nothing less. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but holy trust in Jesus' name. We're going to sing that again, my hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but holy trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone. Christ alone. Cornerstone. Weak and strong. In the Savior's love. Through the Darkness seems to hide in space. I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor, my anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak and strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is the Lord, Lord of all. He is the Lord. Dressed 
chorus again though Christ alone let's sing it Christ alone cornerstone weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm he is Lord Lord of all amen do you believe that that no matter what, Christ alone is our cornerstone. If we stand on him, stand firm in that foundation, nothing will stop us. Nothing will knock us over. And if it does, he'll just pick us right back up and say, you got this. So let's, let's glorify his name this morning. Let's lift up our voices and give worship and praise to him. his name he is the only one that is worthy but he is also the only one that can take care of all of our needs and provide for us and protect us so the altar is open for you this morning if there's a need that you need to bring before him if there's a lost loved one that you would like to bring to the altar this morning the, the altar is open for you Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and God, we thank you for 
for this day and for this opportunity to come and to worship you. And God, we thank you, dear Lord, that you tell us and that you ask us to, to pray and to call out to you and to uh, you know, give you our prayer request. But God, we want to thank you this morning for who you are. We want to thank you for creating this beautiful earth that we live on. We thank you for the breath that you give to each and every one of us. We thank you for the life that you give to us through your son, Jesus Christ, that came to this earth and that died on this earth on the cross for us and rose again on the third day to free us from the bondage of sin and from death. And God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that you gave to us, that is to enter into us and to guide us and to direct us, but God, to give us power and to teach us and to give us your mercy and your love. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of those things. And that is why we bring you our request. We lift up to you, Marty, right now, dear Lord, that you would go and be with him in his rehab. And we lift up Joyce Macbeth, dear Lord, that you would be with her and David as she just went through surgery yesterday. God, we pray, dear Lord, that your love and that your strength and mercy will be poured out upon them and that your spirit would inhabit the rooms as they are recovering. We pray that you would be with Diane Blackwelder as she's at home recovering. And God, I pray that you would be with Josephine, dear Lord, as she is still in the hospital. Strengthen her, dear Lord, today. Oh, God, I know that there's more. And God, you know which ones they are and what they are. And God, I pray that you would go and be with them in a special manner right now. That they would feel your mighty presence as we do here right now in your house. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, again, we thank you and we praise you. And we pray all of these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As everybody is going back, and uh, you know, I would, I'm going to ask that y'all would pray for me. I've had my normal three cups of coffee, but then I had an extra cup of coffee in between the morning service and this service. Okay, so I, I've got my extra caffeine, so let's watch out, right? <laughs> Man, it's going to be a good day. Amen. I would like for you this morning to turn to the 8th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. This morning I gave this message, this title, Adversary, Cross, and Comfort. And all three of these things do have something in common. So let's check and see what this is before we get into our uh, you know, text for the message, which is going to be verses 31 through the first verse of chapter 9. So the 8th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, beginning with verse 31, but going all the way to verse 1 of chapter 9. And this morning I will be reading to you from the New Living Translation for you, so if that's going to help you out. But while you're turning there... I'm going to ask if you would look at the passage of Scripture prior to this, because this is going to set up something for us. Whenever we look at the passage of Scripture before this, 
we really have to only go up to verse 27. And in verse 27, Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say that he is? And this is where we get the passage where it says that some people say that you're Elijah. Some people say that you're John the Baptist that's, uh, you know, come back to life. And then after he hears about what the people have said, Jesus then asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And in this, you know, I didn't pose this question this morning. I would ask, who do you say he is this morning? This is where Peter steps up and says that he is the Son of God. Uh, he makes that proclamation. And then right after that proclamation, we go into this awkward passage of Scripture that has Jesus rebuking someone that has rebuked him. And then it gives us the details as far as the call and the requirements to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ. Now it's awkward because the one that just professed Jesus Christ to be the Son of God is now going to be rebuked by Jesus and Jesus actually calls him Satan or his adversary. And that's not something that any of us really want to be called, right? Okay, y'all were asleep. I need to get everybody here coffee. We don't need, that is not something that we want Jesus to call us. Although, if we are honest with ourselves, we have or we should have been called the same exact thing that Jesus calls Peter. Now let's get into this. I can see the confused looks and stuff on your face. So we're going to get into the passage of Scripture. So let's look at this. In Mark 8, 31, Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the leaders of religious law. He would be killed but three days later, he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. So let's pause right there for a minute here because we, you know, we have this. It's set up for us. Peter professes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then Jesus begins to tell them that the Son of Man is going to have to, or is going to have to suffer terrible things. Upon whose hands is he going to suffer these terrible things? The religious leaders, the priest, and the ones that are writing the law. So they're his people. The Jews that he came to save are going to reject him. And in rejecting him, they are going to crucify him or have him crucified upon the cross. Now, whenever the scripture says that he openly spoke this, 
doesn't mean that he said it out loud or doesn't, it's not talking about him saying it out loud or saying it where other people can, see, you know, can hear it. This is where Jesus is no longer talking about his death in parables. He is making this clear. If we look at this, he most probably said the exact words, the Son of Man must be rejected and die, and he is going to be persecuted or he is going to suffer at the hands of these people. And then he goes, but on the third day or three days later, I'm going to rise again. Don't really know what Peter had or what Peter was objecting to. Well, we can kind of imagine what he was objecting to, right? Have you ever done that? All right. We really have to get, yep. I need y'all to focus, lock in on me. Because how many times has your parents given you instructions to do? And then the third or fourth thing that they wanted to do, you had no clue on what that was, right? I want you to do this, this, and then all of a sudden it turns into wah, 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 wah. Charlie Brown, it just, it just goes right over your head. It just, you know, they always tell you it goes in one ear and right out the other, right? Uh, you know, we catch the important things, but we let the other wasteful stuff go th- right through, right? The instructions that they were given to us, we miss them. The disciples missed the instructions that Jesus was giving them. Yes, he was going to have to suffer and he was going to have to die. But three days later, he was going to raise again. Right? That should be okay. Right? I think I can do three days without you, Messiah. But see, there's, there's another problem that we have to understand. Whenever Jesus called Peter from the boat from fishing, Peter said, I will follow you. I will follow you wherever you go. I will do whatever you ask me to do. Peter heard this. And he says, wait a minute. I'm not ready to go to the cross and die. I don't know about you. Jesus is telling them, he said, he says, look, I will be rejected by the leaders of the religious law here and about the, you know, but the priests, they will reject me. If you are following my commands, if you're following me and you're following my life and you're following my teachings that as your rabbi, you should It's not only that they were supposed to follow Jesus as he walked from town to town and listened to him and learned, but they were supposed to do everything that Jesus Christ did. So that meant that if Jesus was going to die at the hands of these people, that they were going to die at the hands of these people. That if Jesus must suffer and die, they were going to suffer and die. And Peter's like, wait a minute, I am not ready for that. So Peter begins to rebuke him. 
Now it also could be that Peter was rebuking Jesus because that's not the Messiah that he signed up for. His Messiah was supposed to rule the world, right? His Messiah was supposed to come in and bring peace to the Israelites. And Jesus is talking about dying. He's like, wait a minute, if you die, then you can't bring peace into the world. Now, it also could be that Peter had seen some of these miracles that Jesus had been doing. And Peter's like, wait a minute. You have too much power and control in this earth to let these people die or kill you. But what about you? What about us? Have you ever rebuked Jesus? Have you ever told Jesus, that's not the way you're supposed to do it. You need to do it this way. Come on. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense to me, God. That doesn't make sense to me. You, you should do it this way. We rebuke Jesus today. There's people in here that, you know, that, that God's asked them to be Sunday school teachers. Some of them have answered, yes, thank you, great, keep it up. Some of them have said, no, I don't know enough. Did you get it? You just rebuked Jesus. Because he's not going to call you to do something that he hasn't already equipped you for. Or that he will give you the pay or the power to accomplish what he has for you to accomplish. But it doesn't look like what you want it to look like. So you're going to tell him no. Now wait a minute. I forgot somebody. What about Moses? The burning bush? Moses is looking. He's, he sees it from afar. He's like, man, that... That's weird. That bush is burning, but it's not burning up. Let me go investigate that. He gets up there closer, and he hears this voice that comes out, and it says, Moses, Moses. And he says, here I am, God. Now, the Hebrew wouldn't be just, here I am, God. It would say, here I am to do whatever you would have me to do. And as soon as he says that, God begins to tell him what he's supposed to do. And then what does Moses do? Oh, no, not me. Wrong guy. Begin to back up, right? You know, that's the crawfish syndrome or the lobster, whichever. If you're up in Maine, it's a lobster. If you're down south, it's a crawfish. Begin to back up. Whoa, wait a minute. I didn't mean that. Peter here, he's, he just confessed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And now he's rebuking Jesus because he's taken a path that he doesn't think he should be taking. So he uses the word Satan or adversary. 
And that ties us into another passage of Scripture that takes us back to Jesus whenever he was baptized and he came up out of the water and the heavens opened up and God spoke and said, This is my son who I am very well pleased. And then the Spirit led him out into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and Satan tempted him by saying, If you are the Son of God, do this. If you are the Son of God, do this. And then he says, since you're the son of God, I will give you all of these kingdoms if you will bow down and worship me. Satan, three times, gave Jesus an easy way to accomplish what his job on this earth was to do. He says, you don't have to go that way. You don't have to do it that way. Peter, oh, Jesus, you have too much power. (laughs) You shouldn't have to die. Right? Oh, Jesus, that's, that's the rough way. You don't need to go that way. And then scripture says that he rebuked him and told him that you're looking through human stance or you're looking through the worldly ways. See, I'm not going to talk about you, but me. I'm going to take the easy path. Just like water. Water goes to the less, to go, you know, follows the path of least resistance. If this is easier, if this is an easier walk for me, then I'm going to take this path. But it's not always the easy path that God has set before us. Sometimes there's struggles. A lot of times there's struggles. A lot of times there's decisions. There's hard decisions that we need to make. But Jesus called him an adversary because he was telling him to go with a different path, a different way. Same thing that Satan did to him in the desert. It's the same thing that we do to him whenever we don't accept the path that he has for us here on this earth. But let's get into this a little bit more because as I continued on, I went in and went ahead and talked to you about some of the verses there. But let's go ahead and pick up again at verse 33. Verse 33, it says, Jesus turned around and looked at the disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then he called the crowd to join his disciples and said, If anyone of you want to follow me, you must turn from your selfish ways 
take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in this adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory or in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. So here we have the call. So we find the adversary. In this passage of Scripture, and in thinking about it, there are times that we can be the adversary. But then Jesus is calling us, just like He called the disciples, and just like He was calling all of those other people around them, that if you're going to follow me, you must pick up my cross, or pick up your cross. So all this week, I've been trying to figure this out. What is the cross that's being discussed? What is the cross that Jesus is talking about? That each and every one of us as followers to him, what is that that we need to pick up? It has to be death to ourselves. It's not my will, but it's God's will. It's no longer what I want to do, but it's what he wants to do. The thing about this is, is that we, in today's society, we think of the cross and we look at something like this, where it's an empty cross, or we have a cross that's around our neck, that's on a necklace, that's empty, it's decorated nice and pretty. The cross that Jesus was talking about was nothing that would have been nice or pretty. But the cross that Jesus was talking about meant death. So think about this. If you're in the Greco-Roman era and you were convicted of a crime and they said that your punishment is going to be 49 lashes with the cat of nine tails. You would still possibly be able to survive that. If, you're, if you were convicted and your sentence would have been prison, imprisonment, you can survive that. But if you were convicted and your sentence was the cross, you knew that you were dead. There is absolutely, positively no one that has ever survived a crucifixion. So whenever he says that you need to pick up your cross, it's the same cross that Jesus Christ carried, and that cross is death. We must die to ourselves before we can even ever pick up the cross. We will never ever pick up the cross and we can't pick it up as long as we are still trying to serve ourselves or serve this world. It will never happen. It must be death to 
our self. I can see that I've made some people uncomfortable. But that's what this is all about, right? Our walk with Christ is not supposed to be a comfortable walk. But it is supposed to be a profitable walk. Because he says that if we give up our life, that is the only way that we will gain it, is by giving it up. If we do not die out to ourself, we are already dead. We must die out to ourselves and pick up our cross. Long, long time ago, as I turned 55 at the end of this month, hint, hint, March 31st is my birthday, I have been a Christian longer than I was a non-Christian at this particular point in my life. A long time ago, I walked down to the center aisle, I walked down the center aisle, well, no, I didn't either because I wasn't very far from the, from, the, from the front row whenever I first received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I took that preacher by his hand. And I told him that I was a sinner. And I asked Jesus Christ into my heart. I died to myself. And I put that cross on my back to carry that cross. I carried that cross as a young child. I carried that cross through church. I got to the basketball court and I set the cross down. I saw a pretty girl walking down the hallways of school. I set that cross down. See, whenever we carry our cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, see, Jesus, whenever he put the cross, whenever they put the cross on his back, he walked in front of every single person that he had ever professed to that he was the Messiah. He walked in front of the religious leaders that rejected him. He walked in front of the religious leaders that he told them that if you tear this temple down in three days, as far as who he was, in all the shame, but yet in all the glory, all the glory to his father, Because see, three days after that crucifixion, he fulfilled the prophecy that he gave them long ago. I'm going to, I guess I'll, I'll, because remember, he told them back in the beginning of his ministry, he said, tear this temple down and in three days I'll build it again. And they said, oh man, it took 49 years to build this temple. How can you do it in three days? He prophesied about his death, burial, and resurrection. And it came true, therefore proving who he was. 
as the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, He carried His cross. He is asking us, He is telling us to be my true disciple. You must pick up that cross and carry it. And then He says here, He says, if you're ashamed of me, Here in this adulterous world, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my Father in heaven. How many of us put on the cross, the cross of convenience? I'll wear the cross to church. I'll wear the cross in front of my friends. But whenever I'm out in the world, I'm going to set the cross aside. Whenever I'm driving down the road, cross is in the back seat not to be seen. How many of you don't put those you know, bumper stickers on your car that says honk if you love Jesus or put the little fish and stuff on there because they don't want to know that you're, you don't want them to know that you're a Christian because of the way that you drive. See, there's things that we do in our lives in front of certain people that tells God that we are ashamed of Him. Paul says that I have to die daily. Every single day I have to choose to die to myself and pick up the cross and follow Jesus Christ. Whenever we do that, We do not look at things in human ways or in worldly ways. We look at things through the eyes of God. So that whenever he asks us to do something, we don't say, oh, wait a minute. I think you got the wrong person. Oh, wait a minute. I I don't know how to do that. I, I can't do that. My speech is not all that good. I can't do that. That's a difficult past or path, preacher. But what about the church? What about the church as a large? Has some churches set the cross down? And chose to go the least path of resistance? But in this particular passage of Scripture, it's talking about the church. It's talking about the church as each individual person. That we have to choose to pick up His cross. And we have to carry it As if we are not ashamed of it. We have to carry that cross in front of our family, in the church, in front of our co-workers, in front of the people at the shopping centers, at the malls, people at the car dealerships, at the gas stations, at the restaurants. We must carry our cross. If we are ashamed of Him and we will not carry the cross in front of people here on this earth, then He will be ashamed of us in front of His Father in heaven. And He will not profess that He knows us. 
We must carry our cross. Mark chapter 9, verse 1. Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth. Some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. There's a lot of debate that goes on about that passage of Scripture. A lot of debate on whether or not this is talking about the second coming of Christ whether or not some of the disciples were still going to be alive or they were going to be, you know, they were not. This was a lot, this was a big discussion in our Tuesday Bible study. And we all came to this conclusion or feeling and stuff that what the scripture was talking about, the kingdom of heaven coming, was Pentecost. And the great power was whenever the Holy Spirit entered into the disciples and manifested itself within their lives and they became bold speakers of Jesus Christ. That is the same power that lives within us today. But if you don't like that one, that's okay. Because the kingdom of God is at hand and that his power is shown in this world today through the Holy Spirit living within us as his followers. Remember Jesus said that he did every work that his father would do and his father taught him that he would do greater works than his father could do. And then Jesus told the disciples that the work that I do, you will do even greater works. And the greater works that he was showing and telling us is that we are going to be able to be a part of him redeeming the world because of the message that we show within our lives and that we speak from our mouth. As the gospel of Jesus Christ that redeems the world. Now that is great power. And I guess the problem that we have is for us to be able to call this the kingdom of heaven that we're living in right now. The kingdom of heaven. John the Baptist said, Prepare yourselves, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus Christ came, and his message was, <laughs> Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus Christ is the kingdom of heaven that lives within us. But it's still not perfect, and it's broken. And there's still heartache. And there's still struggles. We're in the already kingdom, but not yet. It's already here, but it's not yet perfect. But one day, it will be. 
And we will see the power of God in His glory, either on this side of heaven or on the other. Makes no difference. But we'll see it one way or the other. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the message that you have given to us. God, I pray, dear Lord, that your words would ring true in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd ask that everyone would stand.